0: As a Christian do you stir up controversy or do you maintain status quo?
1: We have forgot we're at war with the enemy. We don't realize we're in warfare and we got people sitting around and all they hope for is I'll be done and I'm already 5 minutes over. That's their spirituality. When is God going to get what he paid for in you?
0: Let's talk about that next. So the question of the day is do you blend into the background or do you stand out in the foreground? Hi there and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Jesus certainly was controversial and one thing that could never be said of Jesus was that he blended into the background. So that begs the question for you and I as we follow after Christ, do we stand out? Are we just as controversial as he is for the right reasons? Let's talk about that. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's program.
1: Christian Science, Mrs. Mary Baker Eddy said, the Christians who believe in the first commandment is a monotheist. This virtually unites with the Jews' belief in one God and recognizes that Jesus Christ is not God, as Jesus himself declared, but is the Son of God. I would to just say two things. When we say we are Trinitarian, we are saying there's one God. We do not worship three gods. We are not Tritheist. We are not Polytheist. We are monotheists, but we're different from Judaism, different from Islam, different from just say, hear, is Israel, the Lord your God is one. Yes, he is. But the one is a compound unity. He is one. But he's also manifested in three persons. So the way we commonly talk about this, We have compound unity. There could be many parts, but one whole. The example, uh, we use the illustration of one cluster of grapes. Many individual, but one cluster. We talk about this. He made the morning and the evening was the first day. One day, various parts. Here's the mystery that baffles all of us. Husband and wife are one. And see, people laugh. you got to be kidding. This is a joke. We've not agreed on anything since we got married. You know what I mean? We're one. Wait, she wants this. You you have to be talking different languages. We're one, but we're two. uh, He's supposed to lead, I'm supposed to submit. Come on, there's something going on here. A compound unity. You're one in a different way than you're two. And in God's sight, He sees you compi- uh, uh, comprising a unity of one. One marriage, one unity. Man and wife are seen as one. God said that. And it's modeled after the Trinity. Every family unit gets its model from the Trinity. The Trinity has never had a fight among themselves. They've never battled over submission. They've never battled over roles. They've never battled over who calls it, who's got the most power. They are the model of all unity where there's diversity but oneness. Father, make them one as you and I are one. Two distinct persons, but bound by a divine unity, one purpose, one nature, bent on the same things. Our God, Jesus Christ, is called God about 14 different places in the Bible. Titus 2.14, Romans 9.5, John 1.1, 1, 1, uh, on and on, all the way through the book of John. He is the controversy. He's contrary to the Islam Christ. He's contrary to the liberal Protestant Christ. He's contrary to Jehovah's Witnesses. He's contrary to the cult. He's contrary to polytheism. He's contrary to the pantheon. He's not one among many. He's one over all. He is above all. He is Lord of all. He is saying, I am God. I can do what God does. I am not just a nice man, a nice teacher, a nice model. I am one with God. You've got to hold on to that or else you're not a Christian. This will not come. You remember what Thomas said, I won't believe until I see the nails, marks in his hands. And by the time he saw he says, My Lord and my God for a good old Jew that would be blasphemy, that would bring the death penalty. You are my Lord and you are my God. Jesus told Philip, Philip, you still wanna see God? Anybody that's seen me, seen all the God they could ever see. I'm not diminished God, I'm not a little bit of God, and I'm not a hippie running around Palestine. I am God, God's Messiah. This is the controversy. You could talk about God till you're blue in the face and everybody will what matter of fact matter of fact they say, let me tell you about my spirituality. Yes. Let me first of all consult my tea leaves, my crystals, and my life coach, who is a channeler. And and we could get and talk about spirituality. Because that's the new term. I'm spiritual. What's that? Which spirit are you talking? If any man comes to you and they abide not in this doctrine of Christ, let them be considered antichrist. First John four. You're quiet and many of you as dumb as a piece of wood about how to explain it. It's time you get over it. You need to get your Bible and you need to find out more false teaching, false doctrines and things that will undermine your faith. Do you know why he's God? Did, can you show that in your Bible? If you don't, you ought to go home and Google somebody that has it right. Please don't Google uh, Jehovah Witness. Please don't Google. Go up. Uh, who's our guy on the radio, our defense man? Buy some books on the cult. You got to know this stuff. This is Christianity, not coming down here taking an offering. We meet around the most controversial figure in history and only the grace of God. We haven't been killed in this country and it may still come, but he's still Lord. He's still Christ. He is deity. He is not just a nice man. He's God, God in the flesh. C.S. Lewis said, He can't be a nice man and lie about his own identity. He can't be a good teacher and tell us he's God's son and equal with God. But boy, teaches good, just don't believe him. No, as Lewis said it famously, this man's either a lunatic who thought he was God and taught it, but he wasn't. Or he's a liar because he's intentionally deceiving. Or he's Lord. And if he's Lord, you need to bow down and adore him. He's Lord. And he says, listen to what he says here. He says, the Father raises the dead and gives them life. He's going to let me do this. Listen to what he says. The Father judges no one. Isn't that interesting? The Father judges no one. Haven't you always thought when you die, you go before the Father? Listen. The Father judges no one. Ooh, good. I got rid of that. Oh, watch. I've delegated this. He's given all judgment to the Son. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He says, I'm equal with God, I can do what God does. I can give life like God the Father. Matter of fact, the Father will judge no one. I will judge on his behalf. And I am to be honored just as my Father is honored. Now, Jesus Christ is going to judge all judgment. What judgments are coming? Well, he's going to judge angels. And he said we get to helping, 1 Corinthians 6. We will get to judge angels, so we ought to be able to judge what goes on in the church. That's why we do church discipline. We have the right to judge the lives of our members. And you want something better than that? Demons will be judged by the church. And Satan himself, we will weigh in with Christ and judge him and call him a liar and rejoice to see him thrown in the lake of fire. You will be there, First Corinthians 6. Uh judge the nations. Uh, Matthew 25, he's going to judge sheep and goat nations by the way they treated Israel during the tribulation. And those who were good to Israel, so that they trusted Christ, get to go into the millennial reign of Christ. Christ will call who's a sheep and who's a goat. Uh, The believer's works, all your works as a believer. Let's say you got saved at age 20. Everything you've done in your life since age 20 to where you are now is going to be appraised by the Lord Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. He's not going to judge you as a person. It's not a judgment to see if you go to heaven. It's an evaluation of your works and to decide what reward or loss of reward you get. It's a a remarkable thing that God wants to use us. He's gifted us. He grants the power to do his will. And then he says, I will reward you on the day I judge your works. I'm going to just appraise him like I put torch to wheat, torch to chaff. And uh, it's amazing to me. Has God saved you to work for him? Did God save you to worship him? Did he give you the enablement to do the assignment? Has he given us enough power? Sounds good. I love these amens. You guys are quiet. Uh, he, he, th- does he give you enough power to live for him? As the, he said in Ephesians 1, the power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power I show towards my people. So we've got all the power, We've got spiritual gifts. Uh, we all have the same Lord. We've all been forgiven the same sins. And we all will appear before the same Lord. And he's gonna ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? I gave you talent. I gave you spiritual gifts. I gave you the power of my spirit. I gave you the access of prayer. Uh, did I short you on anything? No? What did you do? Let, let's evaluate. Oh, you got saved at 20. Yeah. And, and what did you do? Go, well, uh, I always felt inferior. Okay, one, you felt inferior. Two, uh, I sure have got good at my hobby. Good. Really, that's wonderful. So did Lennon. So did Bobby Fischer. What else did you do? Uh, did you ever teach anybody? Oh, I wasn't gifted for that. Okay. Ever work with kids? Oh, you've got to be kidding. I wouldn't have gone to the church if they didn't have a nursery. Uh, all right, what did you do? Well, I just kept telling myself I didn't have to do anything. I thought grace was you don't have to do anything. Well, you don't to be saved. But the operation of grace in you makes you want to serve him, love him, uh, and do everything. Even a cup of water given in his name uh, gets a reward. I want to give my money for him. I want to give my life for him. I want to give my time for him. Because, you know, I've been captured by him. He's Lord, you know. Yeah, he is. You're talking to the Lord. You're right there before him. Every one of you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone, we won't be there as a congregation. You individually come before him. Just you and him. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that he may re- reward us for what we have done, whether it be good or bad. And the word bad doesn't mean bank robberies. Doesn't mean cussing doesn't mean stealing, doesn't mean fighting. The word bad is worthless. I know a lot of fine Christians, they don't do any bad stuff and neither do they do much good. There's just nice folks that don't do much. They like a hymn or two short sermons and don't mention money. They just like everything, they coach. I say, after that's all said and done, where have you spent your life since you become a believer? Church hopping? Nagging about preachers? Griping about the church? Can anything improve because you're here? Will you contribute to the impact of this local church or any local church you call your home? Is any difference made Is God doing anything through you to further the name of Christ on the earth? What is it? Well, I'm voting Republican. Well, hallelujah. You think Jesus is the Lord of the Republican Party? Come on, is he? I don't know who to vote for. I vote for Jesus, but you can't get it in the ballot box. I'm disgusted with everything I've seen. I refuse to hear all the garbage. I got to keep my mind on this earth. I'm serving a different king and a different agenda. And I don't belong to either party in my heart. I belong to Christ. You go to pot on all the social issues. I'll tell you the greatest social issue we got on this earth. The church is the salt and the light, not politics. The church, one life at a time. We're going to have vacation Bible school next week. I went over there Saturday. Because you know, when you sleep with the children's director, you gotta show up. <laughs> I'm married to her, by the way. <laughs> you get in there and all this decoration, I see all these women and and men and Scott Calendar making planes and saying all this stuff. I think, mean, my lands, all this work. I mean, artistic, beautiful. You go over and see it. You you just take a trip over there. See, some of you never went over there to see what goes on. And and I wish we could get the generations more over here so you could see the marvelous work going on with children, young people, and teenagers. It's wonderful, but you never see it, Arlie. Just walk over there. Have your rabies shots, but just go ahead and walk through. (laughs) You'll build up immunity. They only bite a little bit. Get over there. Somebody said, well, i got the gift to teach. No, you don't, or you'd be teaching. Don't tell me about your gift. Show me your gift. Show me. Where do you pray? Who are you ministering to? Where are you breaking out? And you're going to get before Jesus, and you're going to say, what have you done since I came in your life? John Piper's little book, Don't Waste Your Life, Tells about, I believe it was Time Magazine article that interviewed this couple. What is your goal in life when you retire? Oh, we want to move to the panhandle of Florida and collect seashells each morning. Wow. It just grabs you, doesn't it? Or, or I want to camp from 65 to 80. I, I want to retire. I was with Bill Bryan, the chaplain of Dallas Seminary, when we did George Rutenbar's funeral, and Chuck Swindoll was there, and he was taking notes on my sermon, trying to teach him. And uh, (laughs) uh, we were talking a little bit, and I I asked uh, uh, Bill Bryan, I said, well, when do you think Chuck is going to retire? He's 77 over there in Frisco. They only got 8,000 people. He needs to lay it down. He's been gray-headed for 30 years. And Bill is 75, four or five, still the chaplain. I said, When are you going to retire, Bill? You guys are getting up there. He said, I'm with Chuck. When I can find the word retire in the Bible, I'm going to do it. And we're talking about God's service. Some of you folks retired from jobs. That's great. You need to get out of that place. And now we know you're multimillionaires on your pension. Uh, guess what? There's more to life than being on a job. This kingdom work, there's always room. I think of Ruth Fox, my brother Paul loved Ruth because he always made her paint all these panels. She's painted our children's uh, hallways. This, that, I mean, and he's going to ask you, what did you do? I heard your excuses. I heard your unavailability. But I'm going to judge your life's work and only what passes the test That you did something with the right motive, and you did it for Jesus. There'll be no reward for criticism and unavailability. It will only be for those who did their best, whether they failed or succeeded. He'll give you a reward if you did it in Jesus' name. The church is full of a bunch of lazy, observant, worldly Christians. We have forgot we're at war with the enemy. We don't realize we're in warfare and we got people sitting around and all they hope for is I'll be done and I'm already five minutes over. That's their spirituality. When is God going to get what he paid for in you? And then there's a whole category of human beings who are saying to God, I don't want your best. I won't receive him. And they show up before the white throne judgment. And guess who runs the court? The one they rejected, Christ. He would judge. He would judge. I wish we had more time to talk. What a judgment day that will be. The great judgment. I always think of my father. I asked him what led him to the Lord. And he said, I was singing in the... Uh, let he was born in 1908, so put nine years on that. So what is that, 1917? I was going to brush harbors out in the country in Oklahoma, and they built these brush harbors. And at the camp meeting, they sang, oh, where shall I be when the last trumpet sounds, when it sounds so loud as to wake up the dead? Oh, where shall I be? And he said, the next day at nine years of age, I was plowing my dad's place. And he said, all day that song rung through my heart, where shall I be? Where shall I be? I finally stopped the team of mules. I knelt down by a bunch of elder sprouts on this fresh ground that I plowed. And right there I said, only you, Judge, only you, God, can tell me where I'm going to be. I'm either going to be condemned and sentenced to hell or only can I say, you rescued me. I'm a nine-year-bib overall, poor boy of a bunch of children. I'm only a work hand to my father. Will you have me? And God saved him as a nine-year-old boy because he was finally convicted. I'm not going to be right in the final day. I asked some of you, where will you be? What will you do if you show up before God the Son now Will it be condemnation? Or will it be, I, I don't even have an appointment in this court. My case has been settled. You see, all of us that are Christians, our case has been settled out of court at the cross. We, we, God has no case against you once you accept Christ. He's the only one that can let you escape the judgment of God. And he is the judge. This one is Christ the most controversial issue in 2,000 years. Who is Christ? He's no watered-down Santa Claus. He's the mighty God that conquered death, hell, and the grave, and is coming again. This is our Christ.
0: Life forever in Jesus Christ. That's the title of our series here in the book of John. and We trust our time together today has encouraged you in Christ as we work our way through this wonderful gospel. It is our hope and prayer that chapter 20 and verse 31 will come to bear on your own heart and mind, that you understand why John wrote what he wrote for the purpose of believing and having life eternal in Christ. To review a copy of today's program, or to obtain the entire series, we would ask you to get in touch with us here at Truth For Today, and there are a couple of ways to do so. You can call us at 855-833-9864, or you can stop by our website, valleybible.org, and take advantage of the resource materials that we have posted there as well. You're also welcome to write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. Suite 278, Hercules, California, the zip code 94547. And as always, your gifts make a great difference here at the ministry. No matter how large or how small, your financial contributions to this ministry allow us to continue presenting the gospel here on KFAX. As a TFT sustainer, we would also like to pass along your way a quarterly newsletter along with our once-a-year special gift and access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional that we have. Again, these are all just simple ways of saying thank you for supporting us financially, realizing that this broadcast is presented daily here on KFAX through your financial involvement as well as your prayerful support. One other note, as we close out our time together today, we would like to invite you to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. You can find out all of the details and directions at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. We thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure to share God's Word with you. And we look forward to the next time when we can do it again here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.